Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. I am Peter Rosenberger. Glad to have you with us. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. That's why we do the program. How do you help somebody stay strong and healthy as they're caring for someone who is not? And that's why we do the program. What does it look like to speak to a caregiver? What kind of vocabulary do you use? And that's why we do the program. So we're glad that you're here. HopefortheCaregiver.com if you want to be a part of the program. Send us a note. Let us know. Let us hear from you. Tell us your story. Whatever is on your heart. I just got a note from the website. A listener found the program a while back. It has been listening to it faithfully, taking care of now a family member in the 80s with Parkinson's and has been dealing with this with multiple family members. Said, I'm, I'm 60, I think 63 years old, and I'm worn out. But then went on to say, I really appreciated the three eyes that you talked about. And I thought, you know, I haven't talked about that in a while. So with your indulgence, I would like to talk with you about the three eyes that every caregiver deals with. And if you want to know the vocabulary of speaking to a caregiver, particularly you pastors and you counselors and doctors and so forth, listen up. Because this is part of the vocabulary of speaking to a caregiver. And if you want to know how to ask for help as a caregiver, Listen up, because this is part of the vocabulary that a caregiver understands on a heart level. Okay, so it's important for us as caregivers to know how to express ourselves. What are our core needs? We don't often know what we need. We don't even know what help looks like. And part of that is understanding this concept of the three eyes that every caregiver deals with. Number one, the loss of independence. The three eyes, by the way, it's the letter I, not eyeballs. The loss of independence starts with an I. The three eyes. We lose our independence as caregivers. We're no longer able to do the things that we wish to do when we want to do them. Now, that could be our limitation in going out of the house or on vacations or what type of career path we might like to take, what type of dreams we want to pursue. All those kinds of things. You think, okay, well, I'm caregiving now and my life's over. And I'm locked into this path. And therefore, we surrender that first I, that independence, all too quickly. Now, I understand this. I mean, I've just now started my 37th year as a caregiver. Gracie and I had our anniversary this week. I've been a caregiver for 36 years now. Now in my 37th. And I've had to adjust, and I felt this way for a very long time, that, okay, I have to go out and get insurance. And by the way, insurance is not one of the three I's, okay? But I had to work for medical insurance, and therefore my career path and everything else was dictated by Gracie's circumstances. That's the way I felt. But that's not accurate. My own short-sightedness, my own lack of understanding dictated my circumstances, not Gracie, not her health care, not her insurance needs. Those were a problem, but they weren't the problem. And see, I think what, what, what trips a lot of people up is there are a lot of people out there talking about problems that caregivers face. And there are a lot of problems. But this program deals with the problems that caregivers struggle with. And in order to understand the problems, then you have to spend some time in this world as a caregiver. 
and I've logged enough time to understand what the core issues are. And I refuse to believe, and I have evidence to back this up, that Gracie's medical condition dictated my career path in the sense that I was trapped and that it took away my independence. Yes, it created roadblocks and challenges. But now I am doing things on a career level using every skill set that I had before I ever met Gracie. I was always speaking. I was writing things, writing music, doing music, being out in the public eye, all the things that I do now. And yet I've learned to adapt them into a way that works around her circumstances. But it has not hindered me and hampered me. In fact, if anything, it has helped provide clarity and focus. Now, it didn't come overnight, and I would make sure everyone understands that. It has taken a lot of work, a lot of counseling, a lot of smart people that I have reached out to that have reached out to me. I have banged around these ideas, but it forced me into a path of ingenuity that would push back against the loss of independence. And I think that's where we as caregivers can find ourselves is pushing back against that with creative ideas. Okay, we can't do certain things. That's okay. We could do other things. Why do we need to do certain things? What is the loss we're feeling And then how do we speak to that core loss with something else? Is that it? Is that the only thing that will satisfy those desires is being able to run to the grocery store when I want to go? Is that the only thing that will satisfy that? Is there anything else I can do? Is there anything else I can do that's creative that will push back against it? These are the questions I've had to ask over my life. And yeah, there's always that rub. But you know what? As human beings, we don't have the independence we think we do anyway. It's often an illusion. That's another I word, but that's not one of the three I's. So that loss of independence is a real deal, but it's not a death sentence to us as caregivers. We can push back. Scripture reinforces this, and I'll give you a perfect example. When Paul and Silas were in prison and they were beaten, and around midnight says they were singing hymns, and there was an earthquake and, and everybody was let loose, all the chains fell off, And the jailer was just horrified because he knew that he was going to get killed for this. He was responsible. And Paul said, hey, we're all here. It's okay. We're all here. Paul and Silas were the two most free people in that jail. They were in the middle. It says they were in the middle of it. So they were in the inner part of it. So they were not only shackled, then they were imprisoned, but then they were imprisoned within the prison. So they were in bondage to the third power, if you will. And yet they were the most free men in that prison, in that dungeon. They were free. Their independence had been clamped down on by the authorities, and yet they were free. Is that a paradox? Well, if you don't have a biblical worldview, it is. But when you have a biblical worldview, it makes perfect sense that We are free in Christ. We are not enslaved. And this loss of independence that we feel, this shackling, this bondage, if you will, this this curtailing of our freedoms, 
that we sometimes chafe against as caregivers. In the context of Scripture, in the perspective of Christ, what does this mean? Is he unaware of this, or is he purposed and working through this and allowing this and weaving all these things together for our benefit, not just our loved ones, but for ours? Is there something we can become through this? And I suggest to you, yes, there is. So the first eye of the three eyes that every caregiver struggles with is that loss of independence. And before anybody can come along to us as caregivers and help us process through that loss of independence, we ourselves need to understand what's going on with us. Push ourselves to go deeper and not just settle for the fact that, well, okay, I can't do it and be resentful. Understand that there is a world of opportunity, but it's going to look different than we thought. It's going to require a little creativity, a little ingenuity, that's another I word, and faith to trust that God is working through all of these things in ways that we truly cannot imagine and invites us to trust Him with it for however long the season lasts. And it may last a long time. In my case, I'm in my 37th year. It may last a long time. Are we willing to trust it? This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hope for the Caregiver is that conviction that we can live calmer, healthier, and dare I say it, more freely as a family caregiver. We'll be right back. Introducing AFA Streaming, a new online platform that hosts all AFA-produced video content including documentaries, church curriculum, American Family Radio shows, and our Cultural Institute series. The Constitution only works in the atmosphere of Christianity. Critical race theory and intersectionality are new religious frameworks. The Christian must say, as Paul said to the Galatians, there is no new gospel. AFA Streaming is a vital step that we are taking to fulfill our vision to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. You'll find top-notch resources that address the issues of our day related to marriage, family, the sanctity of life, and many others. Start streaming today, streaming.afa.net. The Raising Godly Boys Minute with Mark Hancock. Have you tried this scripture memory trick with your son? Every boy has a different learning style, auditory, visual, kinesthetic, or reading and writing. You don't have to know exactly what category your son falls into. The key is to simply use each learning style to memorize the verse together. Listen to the verse through a Bible reading app. Look up the verse in a physical Bible. Make up simple hand motions for each word of the verse. Then have your boy write out the verse each day. Don't forget to memorize the reference as well. If you use this method consistently with your son, you should be able to memorize a verse a week together. For more ideas on raising boys to be godly men, visit Trail Life USA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Free help in raising godly boys is at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. 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 Every time I try to make it on mine 
Every time I try to stand, start to fall. And all those lonely roads that I traveled on, there was Jesus. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're talking today about the three eyes that every caregiver struggles with. The last block, we talked about the loss of independence and what that means to us as family caregivers. The second eye that we all deal with as caregivers is isolation. Now, isolation comes in many different forms. And I've said often that caregivers can feel isolated in a crowded room and we can feel isolated on a crowded pew. And it is a very lonely existence to serve as a family caregiver. You are cut off from a lot of things, partly because of that loss of independence, but partly because of our own dark thoughts. And we get into this place where we are struggling to find reality, to anchor ourselves when we get disoriented. Now, this is not to be confused with solitude. Now, solitude is important. We, we, Jesus modeled that for us. Being alone with our thoughts and being able to kind of gather our thoughts and, and, and spend time alone with God in solitude and prayer, those are important things for us. But isolation is a cutting off. We are, we are disconnected. We are not separating necessarily for a purpose of wellness. We are cut off and we suffer because of it. Now, go back and look at Genesis and all the things that God said, this was good, this was good, this was good. And then he created man. He said, this is good. Before the fall, God said something was not good. And that was that man was alone. Go back and look at it in the text. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Isolation is not natural for us. We're made in the image of God. God is not isolated. He is in perfect union with the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Perfect union. And this is why, by the way, we really struggle to understand the magnificence of the cross. Because for the first time, God split himself apart from the Son. And you, this is the anguish that Jesus bore for us. But as caregivers, let me bring this back down to where we are as caregivers. We become isolated. We become cut off. We could be in the same room with people, but we still feel isolated. What does that mean to us? How does that affect our ability to function as healthy individuals? And I suggest to you that it cripples us. It allows these festering thoughts of, of resentment and loneliness and bitterness and despair to grip us. There's no light coming in to our hearts. Now, part of this is due to the physical realities of caregiving. And the loved one we have may be very mobility limited. They may be socially limited. And I, I get that. But let's, let's, let's go to a third one. And I think that part of this 
isolation that cripples us is self-inflicted. Now, let me explain before you get all upset with me that we indulge ourselves in those places and don't push out. And what does that look like? Well, for a lot of us, it looks like we just kind of have a pity party. Been there. Nobody would understand. It's not even worth trying to explain it. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be this. I, I, we, we set up these defenses for things that haven't even happened yet because we don't want to feel the sting of what could happen. And so therefore, because it could happen, we shut it down from ever happening. And in the process, we go all scorched earth on our relationships and the way we approach life. But God has a different plan for us, and he meets us in these places. Now, if you go through all of Scripture, particularly in the Psalms, you see this lament for being cut off, what it looks like. You see when the Israelites were in bondage, and they felt isolated away from their homes and their community and everything else. And you hear these laments and these cries. You see this all the way, all the way to the cross where Jesus says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And you see this lament. But because of what happened at the cross, we are not doomed to isolation. That made it possible for us to fellowship with God even in our suffering, especially, if you will, in our suffering. Now, that sounds counterintuitive to a lot of things because we think, well, if he's going to fellowship with me in my suffering, why did he just heal it? Why did he just take it away? Why must I do this? What kind of good and loving God would do this? See, these are the kind of things that we think about in the isolation in those lonely places when we're having that conversation with the ceiling fan. This is what we think about. And if you say, well, Peter, I don't think about that. Well, that's okay. Spend a little bit more time caregiving. I bet you will. Because it eventually happens to all of us. And I've been doing this long enough to make that statement. It is a, it is a very lonely road. The valley of the shadow of death can be a very long valley and a very frightening valley. And we feel alone. And so what does he say? Now, if we're going to spend a lot of time describing the valley of shadow of death, then what does he offer into that? But I will fear no evil for thou art with me. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Weren't so? I, I tell you, but I'm going to come back for you. And what does he say to again? Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the ages. I'm leaving so the Comforter can come. In other words, his Holy Spirit now can come and just and fellowship with us. There's this assurance of his presence. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And these are only a few of the assuring passages in Scripture 
that speaks directly to that isolation that is the human condition. We as caregivers feel it very acutely because of our circumstances, because of our challenges. But make no mistake, it is not unique to us. And Scripture speaks to this. That's why some of these scriptures, when you see it in this light, it starts leaping off the page to you. John 14, 23, Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. You know, Jesus' name, Emmanuel, one of his names, Isaiah prophesied, means God tabernacles with us. He puts his home with us. We are not isolated. It is the core of everything that Scripture is all about is God invading this world that is broken, and we lost fellowship all the way back in Genesis, and that plan of redemption to buy us back so that we're not isolated. We're not isolated as caregivers either. And we don't have to be despondent even in our loneliness loneliness is an unavoidable part of life isolation however is something we can fight against and we fight against this in several ways with each other fellowship among ourselves horizontally with other human beings but more importantly fellowship with god And what does that look like? Well, on the human side, it looks like building those relationships, trustworthy relationships. And it may take some some work at first because you don't want to just jump into relationships with people that are not prepared to walk with you in these very tough roads that you and I have to walk on as caregivers. So you want to be very selective and discerning on this. And it may start with a, a counselor a trusted counselor, a trusted pastor, that you can just spend time and get used to speaking out loud about these things. A trusted family member, a trusted friend. Now, don't make them drink from the fire hose. Okay, just the first conversation you have, you don't need to just tumble everything out. Sometimes it's okay to just be. Be with someone. Just walk with someone. The other day I had a friend visiting from back east in Virginia, and he came out here and we saddled up some horses and just rode around the vast magnificence of Montana on horseback. Just being. There wasn't a lot of preamble. I didn't have to give a whole lot of background to anything. He already knows me. He knows my journey. And we just hung out on horseback, pushing against the isolation. In many respects, it's the same way with God. You just hang out. You talk with him. You read his word. You listen. He may bring a scripture to mind. He may bring a hymn to mind. He may point out something that's going on around you in the world. I see a lot of that out here where I live in Montana because I see so much of nature which cries out to God. Maybe it's something where you just settle down. And sit and be still. And know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. It was hard to do 
the latter if you don't do the former. To be still. And it may seem a little bit counterintuitive because when you feel isolated, you want to rush out to get involved in something and, and, and have this interaction. Social events, as important as they are, pale in comparison to the deep communion of being still. Seeking Him out. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All these things includes freedom from isolation. This is Peter Roseberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hope for the Caregiver is a conviction that we as caregivers can live a calmer, healthier, and even more connected life as a family caregiver. We'll be right back. If you want to know who God is, you have to learn who Jesus is because Jesus is God's message to us of himself. Who he is in relationship to the Father, he is the image of the invisible God. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Christ Above All, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word, and we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. While in the emergency room with my wife, as she was struggling with the COVID-19 virus herself, and I looked at her, I said, are you scared? And she said, a little bit, but I've been through worse. The Certainty of Mankind's History with Uncertainty, an article by Peter Rosenberger. And then, as her fever was approaching almost 103, she started singing in Christ alone. I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. And that's how she has anchored herself in the certainty of Christ through her huge medical journey that has included 80 surgeries, both of her legs amputated, 100 doctors have treated her, 12 hospitals, and now the COVID-19 virus. And so when we live with those kinds of uncertainties, anchoring ourselves in Christ, in Christ alone, that's the only place we can run to where there is certainty. To read this article and more, visit afa.net forward slash the stand. Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. I know, I know the plans I have for you. to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you 
as a family caregiver, and that is my wife, Gracie. I wanted to let that play a little bit because I love to hear her sing that, and I love that voice. Happy anniversary, Gracie. 36 years this week, and what a, what a party, what a journey we've had. He does know the plans that he has for you, and I want to bring that into the conversation with our last point of the three eyes. We talked about the loss of independence. We talked about the isolation. And now we're going to talk about one of the toughest issues that I think we as caregivers face, that third eye, which is the loss of identity. And we lose ourselves into someone else's story. I myself struggled with this for many years. Ask a caregiver, how are you doing? And listen to the reply. Well, we just got home, or she's not doing well, or he's doing okay, or our situation, or us, we. It's very hard for a caregiver to speak in first person singular. It takes a lot of work to push back against this. And we have to force ourselves to speak in a way that feels unnatural to us to say, I hurt, I'm tired. I'm struggling. I need help. I'm lonely. I'm isolated. All of those things, those I words that need to come out, but they don't because we feel guilty, embarrassed, obligated, ashamed, fearful, lost. There's a, there's a whole line of reasons why that we don't do it. But we still must do this in order to be a healthier individual. And for me, it was driven home at the piano. And I got up and I played at church one Sunday. The pastor had asked me to play before the service started, kind of when everybody was coming in, just to create a more reverent atmosphere. And Gracie had been off the public stage for a while. She had been very sick. And I've been playing for Gracie since we were in college, since we first met. So I've had her voice in my ear for a lifetime. So I got up to play at church, and I started playing songs that I was familiar with, and I realized I wasn't playing the melody. Here's what I was doing. Let me step over here to the caregiver keyboard. Admittedly, these are nice chords, but something was missing. I was hearing Gracie's voice in my ear, in my head, but the audience wasn't hearing it. And I had to make some adjustments really quick because I wasn't playing the melody. I was hearing someone else sing the melody in my head, and I wasn't playing it. And I had to go back and switch it up. So now I'm playing something. Now I'm saying something. And I realize that 
as caregivers, we can easily lose the melody. And it's wonderful to play all these great chords, but if nobody knows what we're saying, if nobody knows what we're playing, if nobody hears the melody, it's very difficult to be understood. Have you lost your melody? Are you playing the harmony to someone else? What does your voice sound like? And for me, it started with that hymn. Because I love the lyrics of this is one of the 25 hymns that every Christian ought to know. We've done Be Still My Soul. We've done uh, Joy to the World. And now we've done Jesus Loves Me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Think about the message of this hymn. We thought it was a little children's hymn. And, you know, kids learn it. And that's great. But this hymn has a great deal more weight to it than we probably ever imagined, particularly for us as caregivers. I spent a lifetime trying to get Gracie to Jesus. If I could just get Jesus to to heal her, then our life would be better. Things would be okay. Gracie's needs are more important. If we just get those addressed, I can make do. She must increase. I must decrease. Do you see how that works for us as caregivers? That form that actually becomes a form of idolatry. You know, John the Baptist said that about Jesus, and he's the only one you can say it about. He must increase, we decrease. But when we say it about other people, we're putting them in the place of, oh, is that what we're doing? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Our identity is in Christ. And it's not about somehow focusing on someone else to the exclusion of ourselves. It's learning who we are in Christ. Not that we're increasing in that sense, but that we are in Christ. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me. So it's very personal, it's very specific. Yes, he died. For all. But he died for me. He died for you. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows the hairs on our head. This was driven home even further to me at the caregiver support group I helped facilitate here in our little town. And one of the attendees carves tiny birds out of just pieces of wood. He likes to use wood shop. I mean, they're real tiny. I mean, like, you know, maybe two inches long. I mean, they're very exquisite. But he does it, and he, and he buffs them all out, sands them down, and then puts a lacquer on it, and it, they're, they're, you just hold them in your hand. But he does it to remind himself, and he gives them out to others, Matthew six twenty six, which says, Consider the birds of the air, how they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much greater value than they are? Now, those are Jesus' words. And so I'm asking you, fellow caregiver, are you not of much greater value than the birds of the air? Does that imply that you're kind of to fade into the background or that you are extremely important to our Savior? You, personally, by name. 
And for a season, and that season may be a lifetime, you are charged with caring for a vulnerable loved one. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a wife or a husband, a friend, cousin, whatever. Whoever you're charged with caring for, that in no way is a license for you or anyone else to put you into the background and make you secondary. Your identity is important. Your identity was created by God. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows the plans that He has for you. He knew you before the foundation of the world. And He loves you as an individual. And this is where it starts for us to reclaim our identity. This is where we launch this quest to regain our identity in Christ. Because He is the one who assesses our values. He is the one who establishes our value. And this always points to the cross. Think about the thief on the cross. He said, he, he chastised the other guy. He said, hey, look, we, we, we deserve what we got. And then he looked at Jesus on the cross. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't say remember us. He wasn't talking about the other guy. He didn't lump himself in with that. He said, Lord, remember me. And what did Jesus look at? Jesus said to him from the cross, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Not you all, not all y'all, you. Very specific to that guy. And I look forward to one day meeting him in heaven because I just like to meet that guy. But I, I think that's incredibly important for us to remember as caregivers that this is a very personal Savior who's invested in us personally, who knows us. And he sees you in your affliction. He sees you in what you're doing, those late nights when you are just losing it. He sees you when you're having to clean up all this kind of stuff and deal with all the things that you got to deal with. He hasn't abandoned you. He is keenly aware of this. And he knows you by name. As you go through the day, Sing this hymn, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the Bible tells me so. It's a great hymn to remind us of our identity and how important we are to Christ. And it devalues in our mind the work of the Savior when we don't recognize that. If he values you that much, who are you to devalue yourself? You are a child of the Most High, a joint heir with Christ. You can call God Daddy. How's that for rediscovering your identity? This is Hope for the Caregiver. I'm Peter Rosenberger. Hope for the caregivers that conviction we can live calmer, healthier, as a unique individual loved by God. We'll be right back.
Have you ever struggled to trust God when lousy things happen to you? I'm Gracie Rosenberger, and in 1983, I experienced a horrific car accident leading to 80 surgeries and both legs amputated. I questioned why God allowed something so brutal to happen to me, but over time, my questions changed, and I discovered courage to trust God. That understanding, along with an appreciation for quality prosthetic limbs, led me to establish Standing with Hope. For more than a dozen years, we've been working with the government of Ghana and West Africa, equipping and training local workers to build and maintain quality prosthetic limbs for their own people. On a regular basis, we purchase and ship equipment and supplies, and with the help of inmates in a Tennessee prison, we also recycle parts from donated limbs. All of this is to point others to Christ, the source of my hope and strength. Please visit StandingWithHope.com to learn more and participate in lifting others up. That's StandingWithHope.com. I'm Gracie, and I am Standing With Hope. Pastor Robert Jeffress. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Imagine a giant dam that is in danger of uh, collapsing, crumbling, and uh, there's a village below filled with people who are in danger of being flooded. And a group of concerned townspeople go up and they push up against that dam. Then they know ultimately their effort is futile. Ultimately, that dam is going to burst. And that's really what we Christians are trying to do. We're not going to save this culture. We're not going to prevent its ultimate collapse. But we're to push back against evil for as long as we can to give people an opportunity to hear the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to be a preservative, pushing back against evil, but at the same time, we're to be sharing the light of Jesus Christ. And I believe we're to get involved and not get in our spiritual silos and wait for the end to come. A reminder from American Family Radio. Do you see? Do you see? All the people sinking down Don't you care, don't you care Are you gonna let them drown How can you be so numb Not to care if they come You close your eyes and pretend the job's done Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're glad you're with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. I want to shift gears just a little bit. We've been talking on this program today about the three eyes that every caregiver struggles with, the loss of independence, the isolation, and the loss of identity. And I appreciate your indulgence as I reviewed that. There are people that are joining this audience every day who've never heard any type of program that is targeting a family caregiver, and they don't know these things. And so thank you for allowing me to review. One of the things I also wish to do on this is to draw strength from other people's stories, from other people's journeys, from what's going on around us. And I think it's very important that we uh, see this. We tend to be a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for? Closed off here. Sometimes we focus on our own ideas and our own thoughts and I don't know that that's very healthy for us. There's a big world out there with a lot of things going on, and the and the kingdom of God is is globally uh, moving forward. And there are people dealing with very difficult realities, particularly when it comes to freedom of religion, which we have enjoyed for centuries here in the United States. But across the world, it's not quite the same picture. And in our last block of the show today, I wanted to take a few moments to introduce to you someone who is going after the stories of what's happening around the world. 
people who are being persecuted for their faith, their Christian faith, can we draw strength from others who are facing painful things in their lives and yet standing firm? And yes, we can. And so I wanted to introduce you to Leela Gilbert. She is an award-winning, prolific writer. I mean, she's written more than 60 books. And in this book, Heroic Faith, Hope Amid Global Persecution, she collaborated with Ariel Del Toro, with Lieutenant General William Blinken, and they unpacked so much of what is happening geopolitically and spiritually in Asia and Africa and Middle East and other areas of the world. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about this book, why they wrote it, what they're wanting to communicate, because I think as Christians, we have got to lift up our eyes and look around to our brothers and sisters around the world and also draw strength from the fact that they are withstanding very difficult things. That same faithfulness of God that is sustaining them can also sustain us. It is available to us. Are we connected in this? Are we seeing the global church in that capacity? We work with um, amputees over in West Africa. We've been doing this since 2005. And some of our patients, we work mostly in the country of Ghana, but some of our patients come as far away as Nigeria. And there's so much persecution going on in Africa, in Asia, in the Middle East, all around. What can we learn from this? What can we learn from our brothers and sisters who are facing these things? What is what is God asking of us? And so, Leela, I welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. And talk a little bit about why you took this book on and what, what, what it meant to you to be able to write this. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, yes, I've done quite a bit of writing over the years on persecution of Christians globally. And this opportunity came up with Family Research Council because we have been doing that as well as being concerned about the United States and issues there. We've been looking over across the borders, across the world, to see what else is happening. And and what we've really learned is how very desperate the situation is all around the world. I, I'm seeing numbers like 360 million Christians are under some level of persecution in the world. And we're talking about intense persecution. We We have problems here. We understand that. But we're talking about life and death situations. And, and as you're dealing with uh, people that are wounded sometimes for the rest of their lives, we have this same thing happening by intention by radicals who are attacking Christians. And in Africa specifically, we're talking about right now, Nigeria is probably the worst case scenario there. Well, and we've been seeing that with some of the patients that we treat uh, that come from Nigeria, we've had these conversations with them because they've asked us to come with our prosthetic limb work to Nigeria, and there's just really no way that I can safely take our teams in there at this point. What has surprised you as you delved into all this, and, and you've, you've, you've put your hands on this for a long time, as you put all this together in this book, what surprised you through this journey? Well, it's always surprised me to see these people continuing to gather for worship, continuing to praise God, to sing, to rejoice in Him. They have a spirit of, of inner, they have a kind of energy in the Lord that a lot of us don't have. We, we get, you know, burdened down with our daily lives or whatever we're doing. And in the case of your listeners, with terrible, challenging responsibilities. But these people really take their life in their hands to go to church, to go to worship, and they go. And they, and sometimes they don't live through it, but they go anyway. And I, 
I think that 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 joy in the Lord is something that I admire. I frankly wish I had more of it sometimes, but we can learn from them because they do it in the midst of persecution. You know, I've been watching this too, and you see these villages being invaded and these pastors being singled out and killed and their families and so forth, and yet the resilience of this um, is really extraordinary. What are some of the other things that you see if we step back from Africa a little bit? I know that this book features Asia, it features the Middle East, it features Africa and all these things going in. You also had uh, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin uh, as a part of this book writing this thing, and he's, he focuses on most of Asia, in the, I believe, in this book. What are some things that you want the readers to glean from this after they've read this book? Uh, what is something you want them to just hang on to in their own lives as they read this? I think it's really encouraging to think about the fact that in spite of this persecution, in all those places you've mentioned, there are millions of people becoming Christian believers. They're choosing to follow Christ in spite of the persecution and in the face of it, because there's hope there. He has promised us so much, not only in this life, but in the life to come. But he gives us strength for the day. And so many of the religions that are these people are in by birth or by heredity or whatever don't offer that. They offer rules and they offer control and this and that. But what we have is really something greater. And I think what I've learned from it is that the, the word of the Lord is powerful and it can energize us in, our, in everything we do and we can use it to get through difficult days. We can trust him. We can lean on him, but we can also remember that people that are you know, sometimes way worse off than we are, are are smiling and singing his praises in the midst of their troubles. This is across the globe, and I think it's inspiring and humbling, and I'm just grateful to be aware of it because a lot of people in America don't even know this is going on. I listened to a sermon from Pastor Harry Reeder in Briarwood Presbyterian Church down in um, Birmingham. My son and his family go there, and He said something, and I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to close with this. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, Leila. But he said something. He said, make no mistake, America is an anomaly uh, to what's going on around the world. It is absolutely everywhere outside of this country where you have persecution and you have these things. And we've been insulated and we've gotten a little bit distorted in our thinking. He went on to talk about, but he said, it is coming to us. Do you see that as well? Do you concur? Do you see that persecution starting to filter its way into the United States? Yeah, I think it's true. I mean, I think we're already seeing large organizations and even our government um, frowning on our values and on the things that we take from the Bible and consider our chosen lifestyle. I think that's true. But I also think that we can be inspired that there may be a revival in this country, too, just as there is in the rest of the world. But we're going to be tested. And I, I think of my grandchildren, and I wonder what it's going to be like for them in 20 years. So I think there's a good case to be made for what, what this pastor has said. The book is called Heroic Faith, Hope Amid Global Persecution. Leela Gilbert is with us today. I would encourage you to get a copy of this book today. I'm just feeling the the... 
intensity of us as Christians being aware of what's going on around us. We we kind of yawn when we hear of 300 people being butchered in Nigeria. We say, oh, that's just a shame. And then we go back and watch, you know, all the news we can get on Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And we've been so insulated from this, we don't realize the horrors that are going around. And I think this book will challenge us to not only pray, but to be to be aware of what's going on so that we can stand up and model this same faith. That same faith is available to each of us. And so, Leela, I want you to know how much I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. This is um, an extraordinary book. It's a very sobering book. And yet Christ himself said, look, this is what's going to happen. They hate me. They're going to hate you. Uh, so be prepared right. for this. And it's time for us to be prepared. And Lila, thank you for helping prepare us. Well, thank you for inviting me. And I and God bless you for what you're doing. And I appreciate that very much. Leela Gilbert, Heroic Faith, Hope Amid Global Persecution. You can get it wherever books are sold from Fidelis Publishing. And please get a copy of this and uh, maybe even give it to your pastor. Uh, because I think that it's time for our pulpits to be speaking about this on a regular basis. And I think this will arm a lot of pastors to be able to start educating people and preparing people. We've got to be strong. We've got to be tough. And for those of us who are dealing with harsh circumstances in our life as caregivers, understand that that same grit and and determination and what Leela talked about, the joy that they're able to sing and pray and come to Christ in the midst of these brutal circumstances, that same spirit that is facilitating all of that, regenerating people's lives through all of that is available to us as well in our circumstances right now, today. And thank you so much for this heroic faith, hope amid global persecution. Leela Gilbert, get the book today. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We thank you for being a part of this program today. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.